Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Plant Powered People podcast, where we talk with experts, thought leaders, and inspiring people from around the world to empower you, dear listener, to learn, explore, and evolve in a kind, sustainable, and healthy direction, all while eating the most delicious food and living your best life. I'm Michelle Kane, your co host and founder of World of Vegan. And I'm Tony Okamoto, founder of Plant Based on a Budget and Food Sharing Vegan. And today we're really excited to bring back one of our favorite guests for a second time New York Times bestselling author, award winning physician, and internationally recognized speaker in the field of nutrition, Dr. Michael Greger. He's here to share the most essential and life changing advice he has after writing his new book, How Not to Age. There's this quote that goes, everybody wants to live forever, but no one wants to grow old. And it's so true. Most people really fear aging. And whether it's thinking about the more superficial signs of aging, like wrinkles and graying hair and slowing down and your bones getting achy, or the really life debilitating aspects like declining cognition, Dr. Greger goes into it all. Personally, I know I fear aging. I haven't had a lot of examples of people who've lived a long time in my life and who did not really suffer toward the end with cognitive decline and mobility decline. It's really, really tough to watch that kind of suffering. And so when I think about aging, I'm wondering, why do some people live until their 100th birthday, but others don't? Is there such a thing as dying from old age? Is aging itself a disease? Can we slow the aging process? Why can't we live forever or can we? Well, according to Dr. Greger, some animals do. And there's actually a species I learned about in his book called the immortal jellyfish, who apparently do not age and could technically go on forever. And there's this quote from his book that goes, in a sense, humans are immortal in that a few of our cells live on the sperm or egg cells lucky enough to find each other. Each of our kids grows out of one of our cells. One little fertilized microscopic blob can turn into perhaps the most complex object in the known universe, the human brain, with its 100,000 miles of 86 billion neurons making 150 trillion connections. If that's possible in biology, then what isn't? I really love that quote from his book. (laughs) One thing is for sure, most people don't want to age. The global anti-aging industry, which includes things like collagen supplements, wrinkle creams, anti-aging clinics, and more, is valued at $292 billion, with a B, billion dollars. The anti-aging industry is a multi-billion dollar industry, so it's not surprising that the anti-aging field is said to be a fertile ground for cons, scams, and get-rich-quick schemes, and misinformation is rampant. According to one industry group, 60% of Americans who are 65 and older are pursuing anti-aging interventions. But according to the director of the Institute of Biomedical Aging Research, in almost all instances, these interventions, which, by the way, people are paying a lot of money for, are not supported by science. The science and literature is complex. So how can we figure out what scientific truth versus misleading profit-driven marketing? Enter Dr. Greger. Over the last three years, Dr. Greger and his team read more than 20,000 papers on aging so that we don't have to. And in his book, How Not to Age, he covers every possible angle for developing the optimal diet and lifestyle for the longest, healthiest lifespan based on the best available balance of evidence. 
The book follows his first books, How Not to Die and How Not to Diet, among others. And Dr. Greger has reached millions through his books. And fun fact, all the proceeds that he receives are donated directly to charity, which he does for all of his books. But I think it's particularly important here where it's really hard to figure out what's truth and what is motivated by profit. And even in his book, in this collection of evidence and information, he is removing profit from the situation. Dr. Greger is a graduate of Cornell University and Tufts University School of Medicine, a founding member and fellow of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and his science-based nonprofit, our favorite, nutritionfacts.org, offers a free online portal hosting over 2,000 videos and articles on so many health topics. We are excited to welcome him on. Before we jump in, we'd like to give a massive shout out to our podcast sponsors, Seed and Global Healing. We often talk about habit stacking, which is this idea that you can more easily build new habits by linking the new desired behavior with an existing old habit. So they essentially become connected in your brain and eventually they become routine and automatic behavior that we do without thinking. For example, if you want to eat more veggies, you can decide that before you grab a snack, you'll always go grab some baby carrots to munch on first. And if you want to remember to take your vitamins or probiotics, keep a glass of water by your bed and take them every morning before you get out of bed. If taking probiotics is one of your goals, our sponsor Seed is becoming a huge leader in the field of gut health. They make a plant-based daily symbiotic that is the most consciously crafted, scientifically backed probiotics that we know of. And the plant-based capsules are made to survive through the digestion, so around 100% of the probiotic starting dose makes it to your colon. And we love that they have sustainable packaging. The symbiotics come in a refillable glass jar to minimize single-use plastics. If you're looking for a fantastic source of probiotics, definitely check out Seed and start a new healthy habit today. You can visit seed.com slash plantpowered and use the code plantpowered to redeem 30% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com slash plantpowered and use code plantpowered. We'd like to give a big thank you to Global Healing for sponsoring this episode. For 25 years, they've been making wellness products that are created by nature and backed by science. We especially love their vitamin D. My husband and I got our blood tested earlier in the year, and I'm pleased to say that I had a clean bill of health minus my vitamin D deficiency. It takes a long time, about 30 to 40 minutes for me to absorb vitamin D with my skin color. So it's important for me to supplement. And I started using Global Healing's vegan vitamin D and all is well in my world again. Their vegan-friendly formula delivers a biologically active form of vitamin D that supports strong bones, immune function, and optimal brain activity. With so many people worldwide lacking sufficient vitamin D levels, their formula is the perfect choice for anyone seeking a plant-based source of this vital nutrient. So make sure you check out their website at globalhealing.com. And I hope you learn from me that you shouldn't forget to take your vitamin D3. Dr. G, thanks so much for coming on to the Plant Powered People podcast again. We are so excited to chat with you today. I am so excited to be on one of my favorite podcasts. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you saying that. Okay, so... We are very, very excited about your new book, and we want to dive right into it and and talk about 
Despite all the progress made in the medical field over the past centuries, today in the United States, we're living longer in sickness, not in health. And why is that? And we're actually not, we're not living longer in sickness either. So we just recently, our life expectancy is going down. So we're living shorter in sickness, but still lots of sickness. And primarily it's because of our diet. According to the Global Burden of Disease Study, the largest study in human history on risk factors for disease and death funded by Bill Melinda Gates Foundation. Number one cause of death on planet Earth is the human diet. And certainly here in the U.S., number one cause of death and disability. And so, but that's great news because that means there's something we can do about it. We have tremendous power over our health, destiny, and longevity. The vast majority of premature death and disability is preventable with a healthy enough plant-based diet and lifestyle. In your book, I love how you say, it's my sincere hope that this book adds not just years to your life, but life to your years, which I think we can all relate to. We want to be healthy and feel good until the end as much as possible. And you talk about a concept called health span, which is different from lifespan. Can you explain the concept of health span? Yeah. And isn't it, I, you know, I talked about these surveys where we actually asked people like, how long do you want to live? And it was like crazy. People were like, ah, oh, I don't want to live past 80. Jesus. And, but then you follow up the question. Well, wait a second. No, no, no. In like health, how long do you want to live? They're like, oh, want to live forever. What? Duh. But they have this concept of, you know, just this, just this, you know, this, this aging into decrepitude. And that is, that is not necessary. So health span is a period of life spent in good health. So it's not just about lifespan. It's about having those last years free of chronic disease and disability. And so, so that's why it, it, I cover both in the book, not only talking about longevity, but how we can live those years vibrantly. I appreciate that because I would be one of those people who are like, ah, 65, 70, that sounds good. <laughs> so to know that I can live a long, healthy life is is really awesome because I haven't seen that modeled in my family. At, at Giving the instructions now. to Michelle to smother you with a pillow, 65th birthday. <laughs> All right. In your book, you outline 11 pathways of aging and cover how we can slow down each of them. In brief, what are those pathways and what is the most important for us to know about them? Yeah. So How Not to Age turned into kind of four books in one. And uh, part one is, you know, identifying the 11 most promising pathways for slowing the sands of time, ending each with you know, practical proposals for targeting them naturally with diet and lifestyle changes. So, we're talking about boosting the anti-aging enzymes, which are AMPK, sirtuins, and telomerase, while suppressing the pro-aging enzymes, IGF-1 and mTOR, while decreasing glycation, inflammation, oxidation, and senescence, while preserving autophagy, our telomeres, and slowing the epigenetic clock. A lot of that may be like, what is he talking about? All these technical terms. Well, that's why I spend lots of pages going through exactly what all these things are and what we can do about them, more importantly. What I love about your book and reading it, I, I, I was a biology major, so I love the science-y stuff, but you really do break down all those complicated words into something that's very easily digestible and understandable, which is fantastic. I know you've mentioned that as you were identifying these pathways and then looking across them, you realized that every single one of these pathways could be regulated 
by diet. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So it's actually, that was my inspiration for writing the book was this uh, consensus document on uh, slowing human aging written by really the top folks in the field. And their hope was to provide advice for big pharma to like, all right, these, if we wanted an anti-aging pill, right, which would be a trillion dollar pill, who wouldn't want to take an anti-aging pill? These are the pathways. These are the most promising pathways. And so I'm looking through, and so they're like pharmacologically block the pro-aging enzyme IGF-1, pharmacologically block the pro-aging enzyme mTOR. I'm saying, wait a second, every single one of them could be modulated through diet. IGF-1 is promote this pro-aging enzyme is induced by the consumption of animal protein. Uh, mTOR also uh, animal protein, particularly certain amino acids within animal proteins. And so why have a drug to block these when we can block them in the first place by just switching towards a more plant-based diet? That's fantastic. It's really encouraging to know that we have a lot more control than like just through what we're eating of something like age, which feels very out of control. You shared some pretty amazing statistics too in your book about what part of our lifespan is dependent on our genetics versus lifestyle. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. It's surprisingly small, the genetic contribution. So based on studies of identical twins, only about 25% of the difference in our lifespans between people is determined by genetics. And so the question is, what can we do for the majority over which we may have some control? And so that really became kind of part two of the book, where I delve into kind of the secrets of the longest, healthiest living populations around the world. You know, the media loves stories about, you know, hard living centenarians who attribute their longevity to some combination of, you know, lard, vodka, and favorite brand of cigarette. But... You know, wait, wait, how do the oldest and healthiest really eat and live? That's why I cover in part two, centering around the so-called blue zones, the areas around the world with the longest, healthiest populations, with the greatest percentage of centenarians, those who live triple digits over the age of 100. Yeah, let's talk more about that. So part two of your book, you talk about this optimal anti-aging regimen. You talk about the best and worst foods and beverages that we can be consuming, no matter what type of diet, like this is very relevant. And answer questions like, is red wine deserving of its symbolic status for longevity? And what about coffee? Coffee was shocking to me to read about. And you discuss the longevity vitamin, ergothionine, and the best exercise and sleep routine for the longest, healthiest life. You share a lot of tips, but of all the advice you share in that section, what are your most noteworthy secrets for a science-backed anti-aging regimen? Well, so we can go to the Blue Zone food guidelines, for example. So uh, there's a, the Blue Zones organization actually compiled over 150 dietary surveys taken from places that mostly historically had the longest living populations. Only one Blue Zone kind of survives and thrives to this day. But based on those uh, surveys, the number one recommendation, there are 10 recommendations, but the number one recommendation is eat 95 to 100% plant-based. So that's really the foundation. And then the, the rest of the recommendations, number two, is to reduce intake of processed foods. Number three, a daily dose of beans, one or two servings of legumes a day, beans, split peas, chickpeas, or lentils. Four, drink mostly water as a preferred beverage. Five, preferred snack is nuts. And then six is cut down on fish, seven, eliminate eggs, eight slash sugar, nine, reduce dairy, and 10, so-called retreat from meat, uh, noting that most centenarians 
eat very little meat. So it's this, we are centering our diets around whole plant foods. That's really kind of the most important thing when it comes to these, these long-lived populations. Certainly, they each have you know certain interesting aspects. The Okinawan diet has all sorts of cool things like purple sweet potatoes and mushrooms and soy foods and 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 Mediterranean diets has certain aspects that are that you know are healthy in different kind of circumstances. But if you look at the Venn diagram of all these areas that live healthy, it really comes down to legumes as the principal source of protein. I love that. Yeah, we had Dan Butner on the podcast last oh, season. Great. So great. he was talking all about blue zones. Anyone listening who wants to dive deeper into that, that episode was fantastic. Uh, many of our listeners already are eating plant-based. Some of them may be eating according to the Daily Dozen or just oh, super, whoa. super whole food healthy if you are. Big round of applause to you. But something that many people, no matter what diet, can relate or, or like maybe curious about is coffee. And you shared some interesting things about coffee based on your research. Can you tell us about coffee? Good, yeah. Well, you know, even going back to how not to die, you know, my chapters on liver disease, depression, and Parkinson's, I talked about the benefits of coffee for the liver, mind, and brain. Coffee drinkers live longer than non-coffee drinkers. That's both decaf and non-decaf. It's not the caffeine. They have lower cancer rates overall. Now, coffee can worsen acid reflux disease, bone loss, and glaucoma. And so bottom line, I, uh, I recommend drinking Green tea is even healthier. So basically, so I don't recommend drinking coffee, but mainly that's because every cup of coffee is a lost opportunity to drink something even healthier, a cup of green tea. But coffee is healthy, health-promoting, longevity-promoting, but ah, green tea beats it out. So it's like, are bananas good for you? Well, not compared to blueberries, but I'm not saying bananas are bad for you, but come on, blueberries. I love that. It reminds me of how in your book, there's so many like mechanisms that you're like, if you take this drug, it basically makes you live longer. But then it also does this and this and this to you that could possibly kill you. And so we're we're like always looking for this quick fix. And obviously, in the anti-aging industry, that is a big focus. People see the word, they put the they buy the expensive cream, they want the quick fix for anti-aging. But when you go to the root of it, yes, we all want coffee to be healthy and wine to be healthy and donuts to be healthy. Mm. But the answer just seems to keep coming down to the root of eat more whole food plants. Like that's that's the one answer that has all benefits and no drawbacks. Yeah, you know, it really reminded me, writing this book really reminded me of my last book on weight loss. Uh, you know, both the diet and anti-aging industries are these multi-billion dollar behemoths, you know, and so with just so much money in the mix, the temptation is just to promote products, you know, purporting all sorts of preposterous claims, you know, it's just irresistible. And so that's why, you know, an evidence-based book is so important in these particular spaces because it's like, well, no, no, I, I you, we got to, you know, how do you know who to believe, what to believe? Everybody's trying to sell me something. So let's stick to the science. And with over 13,000 citations, my aim was to cover every possible angle for developing the optimal diet and lifestyle for the longest, healthiest lifespan based on the best available balance of evidence. I mentioned earlier that I would prefer a shorter lifespan if it were going to mean that I maintain my my sanity, my good health, my movement, Your and span. My exactly my health span. And in part three, you talk about this. I'm the most curious to hear you discuss how we can preserve our bodies and minds long term. 
Yeah. So yeah, part three is that's where I get to the nitty gritty. Like, what can we do to preserve your bones, bowels, and circulation, your hair, hearing, hormone balance, immune function, joint health, mind, muscle, sex, life, and skin, teeth, vision, finally, your dignity and death. Chapters on each of them. I'm so happy to be to go into anything, but yeah, I knew that this would be particularly important for people. It's like, you know, it's not just about living longer, but particularly if you have a family history of something, then it's like, well, wait a second. I don't want to lose my hearing like, you know, Aunt Flo did. You know, what about, you know, what can I do? You know, oh, I had someone who died of pneumonia. What can I do to boost my immunity into old age, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, uh, happy to talk about anything from any of those chapters. One of the interesting things that I learned in your book is a lot of people say, oh, they died of old age. And so we just assume, huh, you, you kind of exhausted your lifespan. It's natural to die. But you explain in the book how that's not what's really happening. We're just dying no of diseases. No such thing. Yeah. There's so- no such thing as dying from old age. And so when they did these uh, series of thousands of autopsies, looking at centenarians, those who died o- over the age of 100, even those who appeared perfectly healthy and their doctors gave them a big stamp of health, when you actually do an autopsy, they all, 100%, every single one died of disease, most commonly heart disease, just like everybody else, right? So they had, they know, they didn't know they had heart disease, all of a sudden dropped out of a heart attack. So critically important to eat uh, a diet that can not just prevent arrest, but sometimes reverse heart disease, a diet centered around whole plant foods. Can you talk a little bit about, so, I mean, the one thing is great. So we, if you want to prevent death, if that's your goal, basically read this book, but then also go back and read How Not to Die, where you cover every single disease and how to prevent it to the best of our abilities. But can you talk a little bit about age and all these other things people are thinking about. Their skin is wrinkling. Our hair is turning gray. You know, we're less mobile. What is happening in our bodies as we age? And is it even possible? Like how much control do we have over slowing that side of the aging process? Or is it possible at all? Yeah. I mean, so the, you know, wait a second. If, if aging kills through disease, why wasn't my book, How Not to Die, all the longevity book anyone needs? You know, 15 chapters, each of the 15 leading causes of death. What else do you need? But it's interesting. So I think in the introduction or preface, I talk about how, well, you know, you know, I always say heart disease, number one cause of death, men and women, right? Yes, but one could argue that actually aging is number one cause of death because, yes, in the same age bracket, having high cholesterol can put you like 20 times, as much as 20 times the risk of dying from heart disease as someone with low cholesterol. Okay, but someone in their 80s has 500 times the rate of of heart attacks than someone in their 20s, right? We don't kind of think of it that way, but so aging is actually more important. So if we could slow down the rate of aging, then we could kind of help prevent disease across the board. So even, even if we cured cancer, we would only add about three years to the average lifespan because if one age-related disease doesn't get us, another one will. If we don't die from cancer, fine, we'll just die of a heart attack instead or die of a stroke instead. And so by slowing down the rate of aging, the hope is we could slow down, we could prevent the occurrence of these age-related diseases. And because later in life, every seven years, your risk of death and disability and frailty doubles. 
if we just slowed aging by seven years, then we could cut everyone's risk of death, disability, and frailty in half. So there's really tremendous room for improvement, and it doesn't take much. And I talk about how you know the majority of benefit we get from healthier diet and lifestyle is really just the small stuff. You know, eating more fruits and vegetables, moving, not being overweight, not smoking, etc. And then, of course, the whole rest of the book are really just talking about, you know, pushing that envelope even farther. But, you know, I don't want people to intimidate, to be intimidated, be like, ah, oh, there's no way I can incorporate all this. Really, just some of the simple common sense lifestyle behaviors can really get most people most of the way there. Michelle and I both talk about this on a regular basis on our podcast about how what we really appreciate about the Daily Dozen is that you are talking about the foods we can't eat and not the foods that we can't eat. And by eating the Daily Dozen, at the end of the day, we're like, how can we fit in a cupcake? We just ate all this delicious <laughs> food. Like, There's no room for the cupcake now. And, and maybe people are not yet familiar with the Daily Dozen please go back and listen to our episode. Check out Dr. Greger's other books. But I struggle with this personally. You're saying that it doesn't take much. But sometimes I don't realize how much I'm doing something because in my head, I've said, oh, I'm already eating healthy. What's a cupcake and a muffin and whatever. If I'm not paying attention like if I am not doing the daily dozen or if I am traveling or if I am really super busy, is it okay for me to do this? My husband, Paul, listens to your podcast, does all of the Dr. Gregor things. He subscribes. He's a super fan. He sends me at least three articles per week uh, of videos of yours to watch. And I'm reading them thinking, "Uh oh, I'm not eating enough blueberries. Uh Oh, I'm not drinking enough green tea. And so am I at risk of, of not aging well, because of my travel diet or because of my busy diet? Again, most of the benefit is the is the first step. So just by not smoking, oh my God, you've already gone a huge amount of the way towards right. the maximum benefit that you could have, for example. And it's like, oh, that was easy. Well, I came all the way here and didn't even do anything. And then, you know, these, the, I think the, the five, you know, my conclusion, I talk about some of these, these behavior studies where just doing the following five things, five servings of fruits and vegetables a day, which is... I mean, nothing, 20 minutes of walking a day, not being obese, not smoking. What's the fifth thing? Uh, there's another, there's a fifth thing, but it was in the similar kind of vein of just, oh my God, these are so modest. And the people, so starting before age 50, just doing those five things compared to those who don't do any is a 18 year difference in lifespan, 18 years on the table, just doing like the basic, basic, basics, right? And these are people eating like, Miserable diets, but they're eating some more fruits and vegetables and they're moving around a little bit and they're not smoking. And I mean, that's incredible. 18 years. Now, can you push that? Can you make those healthier years? Absolutely. There's always tweaks we can make to the edges, but you know, you don't want people to obsess about it primarily because of sustainability reasons, right? If that cupcake is keeping you on the wagon, right? Then then you have to think about the kind of secondary, the psychological effects. And so the problem is, I think people who get a little too apprehensive about 
doing it all, throw up their hands and do none of it. You know, if I can't do it all, I'm not going to do anything. And that's the biggest mistake of all. So kind of whatever maintains that healthy diet on a day-to-day basis for not the next week, month, or year, but decades. We have to eat like this for decades to reap all the benefits. So it's like, how am I able to structure my life, given my life, to maintain this in the long term? And that, for some people, that's that's different than for other people, but that really has to be the goal. doesn't matter what you eat in your birthday, holiday, special occasions. It's the day-to-day stuff that adds up over time, over literally the decade. So one day you don't eat as good as you can. Next day, do a little better, right? I mean, it's it's that easy. Don't beat yourself up. You know, we're eating, you know, better than 99.9% of the people already. And so tweaking that 0.1%, does it offer benefits? Yes, amazing benefits. But, oh my God, we're doing better than so many people. I don't know if that makes you feel better, but look, I mean, we all want to be as healthy and live as a long, healthy life as possible to do all the things we want to do in life. And, you know, if it's like, oh, well, I like this food anyway, so I might as well just fit in. Like, I got to put something on my blue on my oatmeal and yeah, I like blueberries and I can get blueberries and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, you know, but if there's ever kind of one of these little tweaks where it's just like, oh, I could white knuckle myself through it, but you know, I just don't want to do this long term. Well, then, you know, do any of the other thousand things that I recommend. Thank you. That is very inspiring. It's something that I always take away from reading your work are these little nuggets. Like it can feel kind of overwhelming if you're that person that's writing down every single tip that you're writing and every study <laughs> and every little nutrient and thing that you should be integrating in your in your diet. But there's lots of things that don't take extra thought and you just kind of swap. Or like I know after reading How Not to Die... I, you talk about the healthfulness of spices. And I never really mm. thought of spices as being healthy or even having nutrition. So just adding extra spices to the meals I'm already cooking adds extra nutrition. And so that's like an easy thing to, to integrate that has no downside. It, it makes me love my food more and it gives love it a it. little health boost. So, okay. I know people are itching for the like, okay, so what can I do? What can I Im- implement into my life? And you created a really helpful checklist called the Anti-Aging 8 to distill all the information you share in the book into like a simple and actionable to-do list for people. Uh, You are very good at that. (laughs) People love it. Uh, And they can practically integrate it into their lives. So what are the anti-aging eight and like how and why did you choose them? So yeah, so that's uh, part four, kind of a checklist to complement the daily dozen, highlighting specific foods that have the potential for some of the best opportunities to slow aging or improve longevity. So, for example, you know, dark green leafy vegetables earn their place on the anti-aging eight as the vegetable most associated with a longer lifespan. Berries earn their place as the fruit most associated with a uh, a longer lifespan. And compared to any other food group, consumption of nuts is associated with the lowest risk of premature death. So, encourage people to eat a palm full of nuts every day, and that may be enough to offer kind of maximal benefit. And of all nuts, probably walnuts are the healthiest. And I talk about all the benefits of greens. The vegetable nitrate, the nitrates in vegetables actually slow your metabolism, kind of what you get from caloric restriction. But you can get the benefits without starving all the time just by eating big salads, most concentrated sources of nitrates. And berries, second only to herbs and spices, have more antioxidants than any other food categories, though there certainly are some that are that are hyped with overblown effect. But I talk about all the benefits for these anthocyanin pigments that make 
Barry says bright colors for cognitive function, eyesight, inflammation, blood sugar, artery function, cholesterol, on down the list, though they get cleared from the bloodstream within six hours. So let's be dosing every meal with with berries, ideally. So what a perfect, perfect dessert. And though there are also savory sources of these anthocyanin pigments, such as, you know, per, the like purple sweet potatoes, purple cabbage, red cabbage, talk about a cheap source of anthocyanins, has those same remarkable protective pigments that berries do, but it's like a dollar a pound. And so they're savory sources. And then hibiscus tea also has anthocyanins. So you can get that kind of around the clock protection. So part of the anti-aging aids are really uh, some of the more kind of complicated <laughs> um, uh, subjects. So even if you not just were a biology major, but a biology PhD, you may not know about something like microRNAs because they weren't even existed. We didn't even discover them since after I graduated from medical school. I mean, so it's like, I've never heard of this. Well, <laughs> because it didn't even exist when I was educating. So some of there's these concepts called xenohormesis microRNAs, which represent these cross-kingdom communication pathways between plants and animals that we can use to our advantage in a way that's a little probably too, too in-depth to get into. Next down to the anti-aging aid is prebiotics and postbiotics. So prebiotics like fibrin-resistant starch feed our probiotic good bacteria like bifidobacteria, to make beneficial postbiotics like butyrate and acetate. However, feeding the wrong foods, we can foster the growth of bad bacteria to create toxic postbiotics like TMAO. So I talk about the role of microbiome in uh, aging and disease. And then caloric restriction, which is a powerful non-pharmacological intervention for extending health span and lifespan. And then ending with uh, probably the most important, and that is protein restriction. So much of the benefit of caloric restriction is actually just because you're restricting protein, though we have this prevailing dogma in society that we should eat more protein and, and you know, do these crazy surveys where most people try to increase their protein. High protein is like, a, you, know, a, 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 you know, a selling point that is, you know, 180 degrees from the protein reduction recommendation of, of the, you know, in the anti-aging scientific literature. Best available balance of evidence suggests the advice of, you know, longevity experts like Dr. Walter Longo and Luigi Fontana advising cutting down on protein to live longer. We need to eat the recommended amount of protein, which is 0.8 grams per healthy gram, kilogram body weight or 0.4 grams per body per pound of body weight. And that's because we're you know, boosting the pro-longevity hormone FGF21 when we do that, raises levels of something called NAD, decreases IGF-1 and mTOR, which are these pro-aging enzymes. And, 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 even, and just as much of the benefit of caloric restri- of restricting your diet overall is from just restricting protein. Much of the benefit of protein restriction is actually just restricting particular amino acids like methionine, branched-chain amino acids. And so even if you keep your protein the same, you can restrict these, these more harmful amino acids just by swapping plant protein sources for animal protein. Even a 1% swap from animal protein to plant protein associated with significantly healthier aging. And so we can replicate the benefits of both caloric and protein restriction just by restricting methionine. And that's done by, you know, eating, you know, plant protein as opposed to eating animal protein. And finally, uh, there's, I have a chapter on 
on something called NAD+, which is essential cofactor for lots of enzymes, and talk about the healthiest ways to, to boost. I go through all the NAD boosting supplements, but really end up talking about the best ways, natural approaches, which is ways to boost the enzyme that actually makes NAD through exercise, and also suppressing some of the uh, pathways by which your body um, uses it up by reducing oxidation and inflammation. Again, centering your diets around whole plant foods. Full circle. Awesome. You also have a fantastic social media platform on Instagram. We'll link everything. We'll link you on YouTube. We'll link your website. We'll link, of course, your new book. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, Dr. Greger. It is always a pleasure chatting with you. And all the proceeds I receive from the sales of all my books go to charity too, including How Not to Age. I just want you and your family to live the longest, healthiest life. We love that. Thank you so much, Dr. Greger. A quick reminder to check out our sponsors of this episode. You can stock up on vitamin B12 from Global Healing at globalhealing.com. And if you're looking for a fantastic source of probiotics, check out seed at seed.com slash plantpowered and use our code plantpowered to get 30% off your first month of seeds DS01 daily symbiotic. Big thank you to Dr. Rigger for coming onto the show. I always learn so much from him. And what I appreciate most is that he takes these really tough scientific peer-reviewed journals and translates them so that we can understand them easily. I know that my mind is not like Michelle's. Michelle studied science. And so when science comes to me, I get a little bit overwhelmed when I see a lot of medical jargon. We just barely scratched the surface of everything today. I, If you feel kind of overwhelmed by some of the sciencey jargon he threw out, it's because his book is long and these topics are all like very interesting and each one like deserves its own few pages or chapter. And I cannot tell you how much I love his book. So How Not to Age is so fascinating. Even if you don't have a sciencey mind, you will love this book. Super interesting. Pick up a copy. We have everything linked in the show notes as always at plantpoweredpodcast.com where you can also subscribe to our newsletter there. And if you'd like to support this show, it means the world to myself and Tony. And you can do that at patreon.com slash plantpoweredpeople. We wish you all the most beautiful day and we will talk to you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.